as we consider he who came among us. Lord, thank you that you came from the realms of glory. You came to rescue us. You who pre-existed. You who were the great I am before Abraham was. That you would love us. That you would come among us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done. And as we enter this season of Advent, you're very aware and very thankful of your love, your great love for us. That you would leave, that you would leave the your place by the Father and be born in a stable. backwater in humble circumstance that you may walk among us to share our burdens our pains, our agonies you left you came after us thank you Lord Jesus For I spoke a word you were singing You have been so, so good to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You have been so, so kind Never-ending, reckless love of God. No, it chases me down, fights till I found leaves in ninety-nine. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. No, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all me. You've been so, so kind to me. Not the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Don't 
serve it till you give yourself away. Nothing overwhelming, never ends directly from God. kids make their way downstairs, let me officially welcome you to the season. It has arrived. Ready or not, it is upon us. Gary, thank you all. And I hope uh, each of you have prepared your hearts for is coming and, and are preparing your hearts. That's what the next four weeks here at Tapestry uh, is all about. I couldn't help but notice uh, while we were singing uh, that we had a baby uh, crying. And uh, especially this time of the year, I just love that. And, I, I, you know, a lot, of, a lot of folks in church are like, oh, man, you know, I, that's music to my ears. Hearing the kids in here worshiping with us and the babies crying, and especially this time of the year, it just reminds us of how Jesus came into this world. Vulnerable, 
a king in a cradle. And it reminds us of, of his humility and uh, what God was willing to, to do uh, because of his reckless love for us. Um, we do enter the season of Advent uh, this morning. Uh, the word Advent literally means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. The arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Today is the first of four Sundays uh, in the Advent season. Um, it is the Sunday of hope, as Gary and Elvira uh, so beautifully conveyed. Um, this season is a season of anticipation, of anticipation, a season of expectation, a season of waiting, if you will, for the arrival of the most notable person in human history. Advent is a season of reflecting on the birth and longing for the return of Jesus Christ. Um, we have uh, Advent devotionals for you out in the lobby. They're in a basket out there. So as you leave today, if you didn't get one last week, um, go ahead and grab one of those devotionals and begin to follow along as we move through this season together. I was reflecting this week um, and thinking about uh, another notable arrival, at least for Kim and I. It's an arrival story uh, that occurred this time uh, of the year. Uh, our daughter Rachel's birthday is, is in a couple weeks. Uh, she's got one of those birthdays that falls around Christmas. Anybody else have a, a birthday this month? A lot of you. You know, it can be tough to have a birthday around Christmas uh, because it sort of fades into all the other uh, festivities that are going on. So for Rachel, Kim and I, I mean, for her entire life, we have tried to, to separate that day and make it as special as we possibly can for her. Uh, and primarily so that she doesn't resent the competition, if you get my drift. Twenty-three years ago, uh, Kim was very, very pregnant um, with Rachel. Uh, she and I had taken our son Caleb, who is 18 months old, 17 months older than Rachel. We had we had taken Caleb to see Santa Claus in Boone, North Carolina. I was pastoring in a church in the mountains of North Carolina, and uh, we had taken Caleb down there. That was the closest place. It was about 40 minutes away from where we lived. We lived out in the sticks. And so he saw Santa Claus and what have you. We're coming back to our house uh, up the mountain, and uh, Caleb's in the car seat and that kind of thing, and he clearly wasn't feeling real good. Okay, and Caleb was about to get sick. I mean, and it was okay. We need to get to the house as quickly as we can. Again, reminding you, Kim is nine months pregnant uh, at this particular time. Um, we pulled into the driveway of our house, uh, get out of the car, and for some reason, and, and as we were reflecting on that this week, I, I don't know if it's just because I'm a horrible husband or what. I mean, there were some gaps in the memory here, but for some reason, Kim, at nine months pregnant, is carrying Caleb, you know, a year-and-a-half-old toddler. And so, yeah, I guess I'm just toddling along behind. I don't know. Um, and uh, as Kim and uh, Caleb, who are in front of me, they get up to the front porch, Caleb begins to projectile vomit 
across the yard, the porch, all over Kim, you know, again, nine months pregnant. Get to the front door. The front door's locked. Okay, we can't get in the front door. And so I go around back to get in the sliding glass door from the back and run through the house, unlock the front door, trying to get them in, get things taken care of. I open the front door. Kim's standing there. Caleb's still just going at it, you know. Kim's standing there, and she looks at me, and she goes, my water broke. And this is exactly what I did. I had no, I was clueless. I didn't know what to do. And I said, you're kidding me, right? She said, look, I know. My water just broke. And I was like, what do we do? And I'm still standing there. She's still out in the cold, you know. What do we do? And she said, okay, here's what you do. She said, you know, you call Lisa and one of our friends, get her up here, take care of Caleb, and then you need to get me to the hospital. Oh, okay. So I'm running around trying to take care of business as Kim tells me what to do uh, in this moment. So we get a friend there, take care of Caleb, uh, rush uh, Kim to the hospital. Ninety minutes later, ninety minutes later, Rachel is born almost before the doctor could get into the room, literally. I won't go into the details, but um, it, it was a memorable and notable arrival, to say the least. And then as we're on our way to the hospital, snow begins to fall. Okay, beautiful. And wake up the next morning to Rachel's first day, and there's a foot of snow on the ground. People can't come. People can't go. You can't go to and from the hospital the whole bit. So a uh, notable arrival and certainly one that we will never forget. But the most notable arrival story ever in the history of mankind is the one that will never be forgotten by all of humanity. And that is the birth of Jesus Christ. A very pregnant Mary and likely a very clueless Joseph made their way to Bethlehem to be counted in a census. There was no room in the inn and Jesus was literally born in a barn. So when somebody asks you if you were born in a barn, say, yeah, and I'm in good company. Advent. It is the arrival of a notable person, the Son of God, a notable thing, the salvation of man, a notable event, the incarnation, the enfleshing of God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. On this first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the hope that arrived with Jesus Christ. You know, I saw a report this week, and some of you may have seen this on the news. Uh, the CDC came out with this, that the life expectancy in the United States uh, has gone down steadily in the last three years. Did anybody see that report? Yeah. I thought that was fascinating, so I stopped to listen uh, to, to the story. And for the third consecutive year, uh, our life expectancy dropped in this country. Now, not significantly. The life expectancy here is greater probably than it is almost anywhere in the world. Still 78.6 years, so we, we've got a, a good life expectancy. So it's just gone down, you know, a few months uh, over the last few years. But with all the medical 
advancements, all the pharmaceutical advancements, all the technology out there today, wouldn't you think that it would be rising? It did for 30 years, I mean, astronomically. Uh, but it has leveled off and is now declining. And the the drop is due, based uh, on the CDC research, on two things in particular. And that is one that uh, Gary and Elvira, uh, sadly, have had to endure. That is the increase in suicides. And the other is the increase in drug overdoses, all among young people, which is driving the overall life expectancy in this country down. The CDC official that I saw interviewed uh, on the news, uh, he was sharing this, and they said, you know, why do you think this is going on today? He said, well, I believe, and, and we have pretty much established that these two things are on the rise for one reason, and that reason is hopelessness hopelessness, that there is an epidemic of hopelessness in our country today. And ironically, the hope of extending life through medical and technological advancement isn't keeping pace with the hopelessness in the human heart. It's an epidemic. And it's a vivid reminder that without real hope, Without Jesus, it really doesn't matter how long you stay on this planet. Life expectancy in the first century, as I saw that story, I, I, I began to, to wonder, man, I wonder what life was like, you know, really. How long would, would Mary and Joseph and those in first century Palestine be expected to live? And, you know, records are hard to find, but, but the Roman Empire did keep good records. And so the, the, the thought was uh, for first century Palestine that the life expectancy was almost a third of what it is for us today. 28 years for the average person. You know, I was telling Kim this week, I said, you know, that kind of explains the whole idea. It's like, how old was Mary when, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon her? You know, 13, 12, 13, 14 years old. This kind of, she had lived almost half her expected life by that point in time. Jesus obviously lived till he was 33. But those who had means uh, lived to approximately 35 years old on average. So the life expectancy was very low. The infant mortality rate in the Roman Empire at that time was 25%. One in four babies didn't make it through the birth process. And 50% of all children never saw their 10th birthday. So one out of every two kids didn't get past 10 years old. And Mary and Joseph and all the people of Israel were ruled by the Romans at that time. They were pressed to pay unreasonable taxes. They were forced to show up to be counted for censuses, to ride 40 miles on a donkey, which is what Mary did at nine months pregnant, just to be counted. Hope was hard to come by, especially in those days. It was in that context that Jesus arrived, that he came on the scene, and with him the hope that Israel had been longing for, the hope that we see woven throughout the Old Testament, Jesus enters the world to be delivered literally as that hope. 
And it's the same hope that is so desperately needed today. King David wrote these words in anticipation. He said, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Emmanuel, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And then some 500 years after David penned those words, the angel announces the arrival of that hope. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And within the heart of every human being, every one of us, there lies a longing A longing for something that cannot be fully articulated. An aching, if you will, to be set free from the constraints of this world. To find healing for our hurt. Healing for the pain that we've experienced in our lives. And to ultimately lock into the life that we were meant to live. We all long for those things. God has placed eternity in our hearts, the Bible tells us. And in doing so, He gives us a longing for that which this world can never fulfill. That only Christ Himself can fulfill within us. When we try to fulfill that longing in anything else in this world, we set ourselves up for disappointment. The arrival of Jesus brings hope to the heart. And ultimately it fulfills every longing of the heart. Let me ask you something this morning. Do you believe that? I mean really. Do you believe that? That Jesus is the only hope You have. And that those longings and that those unfulfilled spaces in your life, He will one day fully fulfill. One day when we are as He is, our hearts will be fully fulfilled. And that hope will become a visible reality in our lives. Do you believe that? And that's what this is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. It is anticipating and it is looking toward the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And living the life that He calls us to live here, bringing that hope to others. And that's the question of Christmas. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And some days we wonder. We all do. Some days on the back of that donkey, we question if the Lord's presence is really in us. Our hope dwindles as the doors close and we can find no place to lay our heads, no place to rest when we're pushed aside to uncomfortable places. 
But as we look at the birth of Jesus, we are reminded that hope was born in a barn. That it was delivered into darkness, into difficulty. That against all odds, no matter what you're going through this morning, hope enters the picture. Where do you need that hope this morning? Where do you need to be reminded of that reality in Christ today? Is it in your marriage? For your children? Maybe it's hope for your health. Your finances? Your career? And against all odds, hope enters the picture. And so if you're looking for hope this Christmas, remember this. Hope is conceived in those who believe. Think about it. Look at the life of Mary. Hope is conceived in those who believe. God chose Mary because of her faith. The Scripture's clear about that. Jesus, the hope of the world, was conceived in her because she believed. Because she trusted God. And God could trust her because of her faith. He knew she would carry out this crazy plan. To save the world. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It's a familiar story. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Don't miss that. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be, listen to this, may it be to me as you have said. Faith. She believed, and then the angel left her because of that faith man hope literally grew inside of mary and the same is true for us today when we choose to believe god when we choose to trust god hope is conceived and it is ultimately delivered fully into our lives 
when we believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinless life, that He died a sacrificial death, that He rose again, man, hope enters the picture. And it changes everything. Diedrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. I love this. He said, just when everything is bearing down on us to such an extent that we can hardly withstand it. Anybody there this morning? The Christmas message comes. (laughs) And it comes to remind us that our eyes are at fault. That we're walking by sight. That we're not walking by faith. That things are not what they seem for those who believe. God is in a manger. The king is in a cradle. Wealth is in poverty. Light is in darkness. And faith gives us the capacity to flip the script, to reframe our circumstances, to find contentment, and to locate the light regardless of our situation. And Mary gave birth in a barn long before anesthesia and epidurals. We have much to be thankful for. Not that I know anything about childbirth. Let me make that absolutely clear. And I hear that amen. Yeah, uh, we, Rachel came so quickly 23 years ago. Um, I will never forget this aspect of that day. Uh, we're in the hospital and... Uh, and the, the nurse comes in, and, and, and Kim's in a lot of pain. And she says, you know, all right, I, I, I'm ready for the epidural. And the nurse says, well, honey, it's too late. And Kim looks at me. And she grabbed me by the lapels and pulled me in. I'll never forget to look in her eyes. I'm not exaggerating. she said, what did she say? I said, she's trying to, she's going to take care of it, honey. But she didn't. And Rachel came, so you did it the first century way, honey. You go, girl. Good job. But faith, faith in Jesus' birth, faith in His death, His sinless life, His resurrection, that is the gateway to hope and ultimately the fulfillment of it when we place our hope in anyone Or anything else. We set ourselves up for disappointment. God made a way. Where there was no way. He used a nobody Mary to give birth to a somebody Jesus. Who could save everybody. Us. The birth of Jesus reminds us that God is. And hope is. Conceived. In the hearts of those who believe. This is the way Paul put it to the Romans. In Romans 15, 13. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And our lives on this planet are bookended. By an arrival, some more notable than others, and by a departure, all of us. We all arrive the same 
with a sin nature that separates us from our Creator, from God. But our departure and ultimately our destination is determined by one thing. What we believe about Jesus. What we did with what we knew about His birth, crucifixion for our sin, and His resurrection. Hope is conceived in those who believe. And it's ultimately delivered beyond your wildest imagination. As I close this morning, I just want to leave you with this one question. Have you, by faith, accessed the hope that is available in Jesus Christ and Jesus only? Have you, as Elvira said earlier, surrendered your life to Him? To receive the forgiveness of your sin that can be found only in Him and allowed the hope that He brings for a life eternal with the Father to be delivered into your life. If you've not made that decision, I encourage you to make that decision in your heart today. Right where you are. Just as He was delivered into that manger, if you invite Him in, surrender your life to Him, acknowledge your need for Him, He will come and be present in your life. And that hope will come with Him. I want to invite the band to to come, and I'd like to invite you to turn your attention to the screen.